Scully, energize. Energize. Day after Christmas 2016, it's not an illusion, it's not a Scrooge joke, it's Lawn Friends Energize. Back in the beautiful LA radio studio in San Pedro, California for one more show for 2016. One more time around the console. Thank you for joining me. I have in studio... Brilliant people visiting me tonight. I have Nadia, who's making her fourth appearance. Hi, Nadia. Hello. Now, that makes her number one in appearances over the stop-and-go five-year history of the show. So. Well, I'm going to keep it up. You're the energized muse. The bunny. The, <laughs> the bunny. And uh, filmmaker Nadia. And sitting next to her is my friend Chain Stanley. Honored to be here, man. Thank who, you. Who who I hadn't seen until this morning when we when we had a deli lunch. I had not seen him since the Brett Michaels uh 40th birthday bus Doral, Miami, Florida, March 2003 as chronicled in the March Madness chapter of Sweet Demotion. <laughs> Good to see you again. <laughs> and he told me some things over lunch about that bus ride that I didn't know because I was just, you know, chronicling and documenting what was I could see the music, the people, you know, Tommy Lee being there. And and so give us a little of your history, Shane, because you, you have a long relationship with Brett Michaels. I do. Um, I grew up I grew up out in L.A., born and raised, um, grew up around the film business because my father was a filmmaker and, and was an a, actor he was he was an actor yeah. And a, yeah through the 60s and 70s and became a, a filmmaker a documentarian and i wanted to be a musician and you know i was a musician but it wasn't you know generating an income right but as soon as my music life was over um thank you uh, as soon as my music decision to play music was over um i I dove headfirst into film, and that's about the time I met uh, Brett. And the guys in Poison was in '94, right? And ran a company with Brett with Charlie Sheen, and you know all yeah. the all the perks that come with it, man. Yeah, yeah. Including golf tournaments in Miami Beach, if that's where that was. Okay, so let's so let's just track trace back because you said something really funny to me. He said. I was there when you had Brett on your pirate radio show. Now, we're going back to 92, 93 when I had that show on Westwood One. Right. That was my legitimate syndicated radio program. And um, we were talking. I go, were you there the day that Brett came in and C.C. DeVille called up and he was just lit? He was He's gone. And they had an off-air argument about who wrote every rose about the meltdown performance of CC's guitar on the, the, on the MTV, on the MTV right, awards. Right. But Brett, 
Brett, my tech, my tech. It was the tech's fault. It was his fault. My tech stole my cord. It was hilarious. But and it was CC not in his right mind, but but Brett was listening to it and off the air we we recorded. I recorded, but you were there. And you just said something over lunch to me really odd. How somebody made a comment to you when you visited my studio. Well, I I was there that day, but not as Brett's friend. I didn't know Brett then. Right. I didn't get to know him until ninety four. Okay. My band was the house band at Pirate Radio okay. that played all your breaks. Okay. The live band that was in studio that played whenever you went to commercial or did some kind of thing. And the rule was you're not to talk to Mr. Friend, you're not to address Mr. Friend, <laughs> you are not to look at Mr. Friend. And that's I so think, wrong. I think it was because we were an unsigned rock band. And you know, if you bestowed a blessing on a on a group of four or five guys banging drums and guitars, they became big stars. And I'm sure everybody was was yeah. up your ass to, to get their demo tape to you or whatever. I, I was naive that anybody treated people who came to be part of the vibe of my five-hour Saturday night show, which we did a wonderful things on. I mean, the list of show. guests, oh my the God. night Ozzy came down and his daughter, and I had Alice Cooper call in, so they were both on the show at the same time. It was, Lon was to work for Hustler. So he says to his daughter, she's 12, what's that, Daddy? It's a magazine. You're not going to see it. I'm not showing it to you. Right, Lon? Hustler. <laughs> she was so cute. Not Kelly, the other one. She's like 12 years old. Anyway, look, who cares? I, for, I just want to apologize for the way you were treated. Hey, you, you know, know what? Drummer, it got me ready for the should, film industry, at yeah, least, right? Drummers should be respected <laughs> at all you. costs. Because we take so long to set up. We, I, yeah, it was yeah. a five-hour night for you. It was seven hours for me, an hour to set up, five hours of the show. I don't even have a memory of you guys playing. I think you were in another room. You were in the main studio. Yeah, with and Jamie And we were Osborne. in the hall. Yeah, in the hall. We were in the hall. Do you remember? Do you remember... The night I brought my daughter Megan down, and she was two, and she was riding around on a big wheel in the studio, and Glenn Z Danzig was my guest. Oh, from Danzig. Yeah, Glenn Danzig. So Glenn, for two hours, was my in-studio guest. That was the night where he, that was the night where he says, you know, that Stone Temple Pilot song, that's a, that's a ripoff. That's my song. That's Snakes of Christ. I go, you mean sex type thing? He goes, yeah, listen to the riff. And they play, so we play them back to back. And... He's going off on Stone Temple Pilots. But the funny part about it was Glenn likes to draw. So he has this, he asks for sheets of paper and he's got this black pen and he's drawing these really interesting, like graphic novel gargoyles, horrific figures. And my daughter rolls by at two on her big wheel. He goes, Here, Megan. And he gives her one of these photos. She takes it to her little area where my producer, Marsha, is sitting. And Megan draws him a flower and comes back and gives him a flower. That's sweet. That's sweet. <laughs> Melissa Dragic will remember that, who lives here in San Pedro, who was Glenn's publicist at the time. She remember bringing him down. That's a good story. Anyway, so, okay, so we reunite today, and there's all this synchronicity about our, our getting back together again, because you've been reading the book, which has been out for five years, and sending me notes, because people are showing up that you've encountered, and I think that's what's good about a memoir, is you're learning somebody's journey and you have, you followed a few of those breadcrumbs yourself in or out of that forest, right? 
that's an understatement. I mean, I'm I'm seeing names, places, hearing stories that it's it was part of my life for 15, 20 years. So to read the book and hear about, you know, we talked about, you know, Rob today and almost Rob famous Jones. Rob Jones. KNAC.com. He was he was the guy who uh, literally on his laptop with a bag of Cheetos and a Diet Coke went online with the first streaming 24-7 heavy metal website, KNAC.com, and he's a genius. And he called me right when my six-month Interscope gig was ending, and he goes, I have a job for you. I'm with Bob Ezrin. I go, oh, he's one of my heroes. I love Bob. Yeah, so you're going you're gonna to come down and be editor-in-chief. I go, oh, okay. That sounds cool. And that was a great gig for a year until darkness descended over yeah. and the internet's and the and the dot coms went and crashed and clear channel had to come in and buy us and my 40,000 shares of enigma digital were worth about 18 cents when clear channel bought not lon friend has not made some wise decisions in his career when it comes to investments but that wasn't none of it was my fault None of this is my fault. What a writer does is he lives his life and hopefully turns it into something that's worth something for somebody else, not for him. For me, it's all catharsis. I'm always in pain. And if and if I could translate some of that to somebody who goes, well, I get where he's been. And that was cool. Like that bus ride. Oh, The bus you ride. You nailed it. You nailed it. You know, it, so tell me what happened that day because it was Tommy Lee and Brett Michaels, and they were estranged because yeah. of the sex tapes. Well, yeah, that is true, and, and I'm not saying anything out of school. I mean, it was obvious that uh, Brett Michaels and Pamela Anderson had a relationship that went from ninety, probably late ninety three into ninety four, and lived together on and off. And then after that, Tom, Tommy, and Pamela got married. It was very quick. They got married, and then the whole thing arose out of the sex tape. Yeah. And he he piloted a dick with his penis. I mean, piloted a boat with his penis. I haven't seen the piloted video. Piloted a dick. <laughs> I uh, l listen to you, Shane. I haven't, I haven't seen, seen the video. I have not seen either but, video. But you told me that you had Brett Michaels' video because he made one. Because he said to you, like almost off off cuff. You know, I have. I have a video yeah, with I got Pam. One. Of course. It no, was I like, have one with Pam. I have one with Pam. And then during <laughs> deposition at Larry Flint's place where you used to work with Alan Isaacman, of all people. I'm Alan Isaacman, Donnie. You know, Edward here. Norton. Edward Norton. I'm getting deposed, <laughs> and I'm getting grilled five days straight. And then Sean Lunar and Ed McPherson said, we need to talk to our client. And they pull me into the hallway, and like, we need to talk to you about something. And they're like, you know, you, you possess a copy of the table. Like, what are you talking about? And, and it, honestly, I didn't know. True story. True story. I mean, an honest truth. Brett and I were tight. We had a company together. We were best friends. And when he moved back from Nashville after he went and did his Death Row and his country album, he came back to L.A. and he had moved in with his wife, Christy Gibson, and they were starting a life together. And Brett just said, hey, you know, I've got some stuff I don't want in the house. Right. Can I... Can I just trust it with you? And I was like, yeah, sure, spare bedroom, put it in a closet. And, and he took the key and the combinations, and there it sat for two years. I never knew. Right. I never knew. You never knew the pink gold that was sitting in I those. I had no idea. Chips. I had no idea. 
I had no idea. I can hear people laughing in the other room. This is supposed to be soundproof. No, I had no idea. And boy, was that a t that was a that was a pretty tough time. I mean, it was you know friendships were tested. We were finding out the tape was you know copied and made by somebody that he had. Yeah. In, in his position, this is all public knowledge. I'm not, you know, it's no, all. But look, it, it's 20 some odd years. It's ago. 20 years ago. But what happened is the tape came out, and obviously Tommy and Pam's tape was making waves, and apparently a lot of them. And yeah, a lot of waves on Lake Mead yeah, and beyond. Yeah. And Brett's tape by the same people, AEG or IEG, I don't remember the name of the company. They had the copy, they were putting it out. And naturally, you know, Peacock Feathers. Lions roaring, whatever you want to call it, mm. there started to become a pretty deep feud between mm. Brett and Tommy, and it was unfortunate because I've known Tommy longer and I've known Brett. Okay, so there's a, there's a feud, but then comes this golf tournament that this I happen tournament. to be at because I'm doing a book proposal for Tommy, which I can't talk about because I had to sign a non-disclosure because right. I just can't talk about it, but someday I will. Anyway, I spent a lot of time with Tommy, and I rolled a lot of tape. That's all I could say. But he invites me to the VH1 Fairway to Heaven in... Because he's playing. Right. He's one of the celebrities That's playing. That's right. He goes, dude, you're going to come to Miami with me playing the golf tournament. John Daly's going to come in. He was on oh, our team. Oh, yeah. That That's right. Cool. <laughs> and so the night of, of Brett's 40th birthday, we go on a bus. And it, and the But the bus ride is truly, I think, one of the, I'll say this with all humility, as far as reportage goes, it's one of the uh, truly honest captures of of, of, a, of a lost soul in the white blue blindness of a moment he just doesn't want to be in because I'm on this bus and they get and the bus leaves me at this this cocaine disco and I'm not into it and and I all I want to do is get back to the people who are listening to all the great rock songs on the radio in the bus right and I'm lost and it's more about that really that bus ride. But you, you told me something that they had like a reunion that that night. That night. Yep. That was that was an interesting night because they hadn't seen or spoke to each other in a long time. There was a lot of online stuff going back and forth, and I think Poison and Motley always had some kind of a thing anyway. Sure. You were in the middle of that back in the heyday. Well, we covered it. You knew about it. Glam feuds, silly stuff, and. It, it was one of those things, and and Brett and I, we you know we had uh, Eric Luffglass, who was a yeah. VH1, who's yeah. a mutual friend. Yeah, uh, he had booked us in two suites that you know, and we kept the door open. And Brett said, "Hey, you know what? Tommy's gonna be there. It's my 40th birthday, man. I don't need a bunch of shit going down tonight." Right. He's like, "You've known Tommy a long time. Go down and break the ice." Right. And so I went down, saw you, saw Eric, and Tommy and his boy. I think Dave walked in. And Dave Buchansky. Dave Buchansky. And um, I pulled Tommy aside, and I just said, hey, great to see you. I'm here with Brett. And I was getting ready. I didn't know what to get ready for. You know, right. Tommy, you never know. And yeah. he was like, dude, fuck, this is Joyce. Bring him down. I'll buy him a drink, man. And I'm like, well, you know, we cool. He's like, dude, fuck, that's the past, man. Fuck yeah, bring him down, you know, in typical Tommy fashion. Yeah, and yeah. came down, and, and you wrote it. So well in your book Thank about you. their, I mean, they're getting back yeah. and, and spending the day and a couple of days golfing together and yeah. that night on the bus. That, of that bus ride. It came back at dawn. Yeah, the sun was coming up and we had a 7 right o'clock tee-off. Right after Limelight by Rush. Was That's born. right. On the bus. The yeah. bus. Eric had booked the bus. We got off the bus. Yeah. Edwin McCain did his best. Yeah. Um, Braveheart. Oh, and the dude from Creed, Creed with the carrot fingers. 
Yes. Who's still on my Facebook page. <laughs> I love that guy. He he, yep. he says, Lon, it's carrot fingers. He'll send me a mess. It's carrot fingers. Because that's what I said, because he kept punching the dial and pulling up the tunes. And he had these big, fat drummer's fingers. He was the drummer for Creed. Yeah. Scott. Scott! Great guy. Scott from Creed. That's right. And then he went into Alter Bridge. Oh, my God. Yeah, Miles. Yep. What a great band. Oh. So we pull up. The sun's coming up. Tommy, this is the one thing. Tommy was sitting on the on the steps of the hotel like this, like hands to his head. Yep. And I remember he looked up and just said, "What the fuck did we do last night?" <laughs> <laughs> and Eric Leftglass walked up to him and said, "You know what, buddy? It's in the past. Your tee offs in ten minutes." <laughs> And you remember we all showed up to play golf. Dude, they all show. Everybody was just rotted and moldy, and they all played. And John Daly was part of our four. Yep. And John Daly, first hole, cracks a Budweiser and says, breakfast. Yeah. (laughs) And he had a beer every hole. I can tell you more about that night. I'm not going to say on the air, but, you know, he's got a thing on 30 for 30 right now. We'll let that, you know. But that was that was a night. And you, oh, product, you, you, you captured yeah, it. Thank I, you. I, and I'm honored to be mentioned in that. Thank you. Oh, I thank appreciate you. it. Well, all right. You know what's funny? Here it is. Here it is. Uh, at the end of the year, an end of the year where we saw so many musicians, so many luminaries, so many artists who who brought us the gift of melody and verse disappear they decided it was or the universe decided it was their time to bow out so it's not like i have themes i'm you know what i'm not a concept album from 74 i i wish i was because then I would be a double vinyl, and people would remember me like they do. Peter Frampton, Quadrophenia, or Frampton comes alive. Well, right. that wasn't even a concept. Record. I'm talking about like Glamas down in Broadway or Quadrophenia. Okay. You know, concept record. Okay, come on, stick with me here. You're not old enough to be to really remember spinning the vinyl in I the do. '70s. I do. Kiss alive, man. That's not concept. <laughs> <laughs> The only concept to kiss alive was to blow people's brains out and to make as much money as possible. Peter Gabriel wrote The Lamb Lies Out on Broadway to examine the existential journey of the human psyche and why we go into the chamber of 32 doors and why the carpet crawlers won't leave us alone in the middle of the night. That was Prague concept. Now, getting back to the... I, I didn't know well, there was going to be a theme tonight, but I do want to spend a lot of the tunage this evening... Uh, representing those who passed, because a lot, and I'm not going to sit here and index it with name. You know, I'm just going to throw a few out because I don't do heavy preparation for anything. That's my problem. I don't have prepare. <laughs> it's worked pretty well, though. Yeah, it's because <laughs> this is who I am. But there was a band that everybody that, that there was a band from back in that day who lost a member. Who inspired groups like Motley Crue and Kiss, and they were status quo. And this, this is one of my favorite songs from that period because we was we lost Rick from Status Quo. So I think we open the show with that, and then we keep moving into the Shadowlands, and then back into the light. We celebrate the songs, and we tell little anecdotes back and forth, personal, not so personal, and. I just love having you guys here, and thanks for coming, and this is Energize Salon Friend Podcast.
not being such a fool Whatever was done is done I just can't recall It doesn't matter at all Energize the Lawn Friend Podcast, Emerson, Lake, and Palmer, two-thirds of whom we lost in 2016, <clears throat> the mellifluous fingers of Keith Emerson, and the velvet tonsils of Greg Lake. Greg Lake died on or near December 8th, which is the day that John Lennon and Dimebag Daryl and Razzle Dingley all left the planet for different reasons, <clears throat> but... I was in Chicago on December 8th. I was at a Roger Hodgson show at the Arcata Theater about an hour outside of this little village. I love I love this area of um, Lake Charles, I think it's called, um, of Chicago. And this theater, they have all these prog bands come in and play. And Roger Hodgson did this stunning set of Supertramp songs and... And I got to rap with them afterwards a little bit. And I hadn't met him 40, you know, I said, you know, I saw you at the Santa Monica Civic in 1975. And I gave him a copy of that book that you just mentioned. I signed it to him. <clears throat> and uh, we talked about uh, a little bit of briefly about, you know, Greg Lake 
gone today. And the guy who owns the theater, this great guy, says, I just got off before the show, before he introduces Roger, he says, I just got off the phone with Carl Palmer, and he's going to put together this tribute show to his fallen brothers. So they're going to go out and tour. Now, I met Carl Palmer when he played the Red Rock Lounge with Asia two years ago. These are my heroes. Emerson Lake and Palmer at the Long Beach. Okay, get get ready for this synchronicity. Emerson Lake and Palmer at the Long Beach Arena. Senior year of high school, Grant High. Steve Lukather and Steve Bacaro were one year behind me. They went on to be Toto. <laughs> yep. But uh, that was the night, Brain South Surgery Tour, that was the night I saw what rock and roll can do to a young teenager, an impressionable youth. Keith Emerson stabbing the knives into the into his piano, flipping his piano, playing this monstrous wall of keys. Carl Palmer spinning in circles on a drum kit. And this is where Tommy Lee, okay, it's all connected, learned a lot, was inspired by the theatrics of Carl Palmer because he did shit that nobody did before him. And that's what pushed Tommy into his theatrical representations, like riding across the top of the ceiling uh, on, a, on, a, on, a, on a rail during the Dr. Feelgood tour or creating this circus thing with the roller coaster on the, you know, a few years ago in the last few couple of tours. So imaginative artists inspired by the masters of the 70s. That album trilogy, to just to, to, just to use the, the term that we grew up on, wore out the grooves. Me and my friend Mark, we listen to that every day. And I, you just saw me right there, my eyes closed, doing the air keyboard to that synthesizer solo at the end. I know every note. It's like it's embedded in my subconscious for life and death and everything else in between. The opening act of uh, that night in Long Beach was a band from Hayward, California where my ex-wife Joyce grew up, East Bay, called Yesterday and Today. They were formed in 1972. The founding drummer, L Leonard Hayes, he just passed on September 11th. Yesterday and Today are Y&T since the late 70s, early 80s. They changed their name. Because of the Beatles album covering us today, I guess they legally had to change their name. But he passed. Dave Manichetti is the great guitarist of YT. He's still their guitarist. He's still touring. So someone on Facebook, one of my Facebook friends sent me a note. He says, You should mention Leonard Hayes because Leonard Cohen wasn't the only Leonard that died this past year. Musical Leonard. See, it doesn't necessarily have to be a linear thread to what I'm doing here. There never is. But Nadia has a Leonard Cohen story. Well, so Leonard, his house was um, in, you know, Koreatown in L.A. A really humble house, two stories. And I'd been there um, visiting my uncle and, um, and his daughter, who were friends with Leonard. And my uncle worked with Leonard. And when when I heard that Leonard died, this he, he 
he died the day before Trump was elected. He died president. on November 7th, 2016. Yeah. Um, my first instinct was to go to the bodega across the street from my house and pick up a candle and then take it to his house and, you know, put it on the, you know, sidewalk. So I go there and it's late at night and I've gone to his house in the day and I just don't remember exactly where the house is. So I'm driving around looking at like all the houses look the same. And that was one of the things that I noted when I was there uh, during the day was it was just like any other house. And so I look for it. I can't find it. So I decided to just stop at this bakery on the corner. It's this Greek bakery on Pico. And Leonard um, spent, you know, a significant amount of time on a Greek island um, living with Marianne. And so I just left it uh, in front of the Greek bakery. And uh, there was a homeless woman, a really beautiful homeless woman who was like sleeping next to it. So I kind of think that she might have woken up and she had this candle that was lit for Leonard there. And so I said a little prayer for Leonard and went on my way. But um, that's nice. So, but he died the be- day before the election. It's like his soul said, Leonard, you've put in 82 years. You've brought a lot of beautiful poetry. We're going we're gonna to yank you out of here before yeah. the, orange, well, I think, the I think, orange apocalypse. I think the, he, well, he wasn't yanked. <laughs> like he wasn't yanked. He, <laughs> he, was he gen- decided. He, he, of, he was in complete, uh, complete control of his fate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But see, this, is my, this, this just bears with my theory that artists are the fragile ones. Artists are the keepers of civilization's salvation. We, we, we know that our, our mutual hero, Henry Miller, wrote this in the 30s and in the 40s. Politicians will destroy the planet. The poets will save the planet. Yes. And I, I, I can't say for sure, but so many of these musicians are checking out, and they checked out during a year the most acrimonious, horrific, negative, dark, covering the land like the, you know, there's a Twilight Zone episode where the sun doesn't come up. It just, there's a town and it's like, the sun hasn't come up. No, it's just, it it hasn't come up. And it's symbolic. It was one of really the most uh, kind of fatalistic pieces that Serling ever presented. Uh, by the way, Rod Sterling's birthday yesterday, Christmas Day, and he he checked out when he was like fifty two. But look, don't look for don't look for a method in this. Just just dig what I'm trying to say here. I think that so many of these great performers and the one the sensitive ones just. I really don't want to stick around for the next few years. I mean, I'm old. My organs are failing. Maybe quality of life has has been tempered and eroded some and mortality is rearing its 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 serpent head and maybe it's it's okay to go because i leave speaking in the global eye a catalog behind i leave behind a compost of expression that will help others during this time isn't it true i mean we we lose bowie right david bowie released Ziggy Stardust six months after Nixon was reelected. How'd that work out for America? Okay, 72, the year I turned 16. 
gave us that record, gave us that. And who'd we lose at the beginning of this year? David Bowie. Anyway, so <clears throat> there's another chapter in uh, Sweet Demotion, which is called Dio and the Dallas Meditation. I'm coming back from that trip to Chicago on American Airlines, and I don't fly American anymore because JetBlue and the cheap airlines are better. Because I'm a freelance writer, and I haven't, I, I haven't had a post, uh, I haven't had a clay pot to urinate in for so long. Okay, I, I can fly cheap, and it's so cheap flying Las Vegas to Chicago. But American had this super deal, and they've got this rad, like Virgin Air style sound and visual art system and they got this show on hulu called 11 and i look i go well that's the day kennedy was assassinated death yeah you were just country there. died on that day so that's my chapter it's about being with ronnie james dio Interviewing him all day for the anthology, the Dio anthology, for the liner notes assignment that I had, that I wrote, uh, and I and my friend Jay Vinitsky, he found that I, I gave him a cassette. I was sitting in my car because my mom's old car, which she she passed on August tenth, two thousand thirteen. She leaves me her Camry, and it has a cassette player. And cars don't have cassette players anymore. So I'm listening, and I'm hearing this Dio. Oh wow, these are my this is my Dio tape from, so Jay goes, give me, let me have that. You know, Jay's in the film business like you. He's a production executive. He, 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 elf. And horrible bosses. Those are his films. And, 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 and um, the pick of destiny. So he, he's a professional. He's been doing it over 20 years. He goes, let, let me, let me transfer this. I go, okay. So today he texts me. Here's two files from the Dio tape. You can play them tonight. And I'm thinking, well, we lost Ronnie in May of 2010, I believe. Yeah. Let's. So I'm watching this, this show on Hulu, 11-22-63, and Stephen King's one of the creators, and it's about a guy who wants to go back in time through a portal in a diner and, and, and prevent the assassination of John F. Kennedy. And I'm thinking to myself, God, what if somebody came through a portal from the future and prevented the inauguration <laughs> next month? Wouldn't that be so cool and it mystical? Might <laughs> it might happen. Well, that's all we can hope for, is someone from the future to come back. <laughs> but that's what this show is. So the, Hulu gives you four episodes. And I'm like, oh, shoot, I got to get home and I got to subscribe to Hulu now. And I'm dying to see the, the, the last, you know, whatever, nine episodes because it's so good. And James Franco is one of the creators and the star, and he's so good. So, okay. So I, I, I got these two air checks from Dio from 2002. It, and I was in Dallas and I and I, I the next day I went to the grassy knoll and I recorded my observations and that night and that night we saw Dio perform and his bass player Jimmy Bain is also on that list of 2016 departed souls wow. so I'm gonna play these air checks. I'm gonna play a Dio song, and then I'm gonna come back because this is about life and death and the great circle of all things. Energize a lot, and podcast. Actually, bummer. That's a great story. <clears throat> okay, long live rock and roll. 
Last um, of the Rainbow Tracks on the end. Um, um, that was uh, Richie's title. Came to me and said, uh, would you write a song called Long of Rock and Roll? I said, sure, great title. Gave me the riff and uh, wrote the song. And that was it. That was very easy for me to do. Uh, again, you know, I have to give credit where credit is due. I'm not going to tell people that I conceived everything. But that was the only one he ever ever came up with. Did, did he want you to, did he want you to write an anthem or did it just come out that way? Uh, yes, I think he did. I think he did. Uh, I think he said, you know, it's a great title and could we use it? And I said, yes, of course. I mean, just because it's of its place within the song, you know, word-wise, it came out to be an anthem of sorts, yeah. And I think the song itself lent itself to that too because it was a fast shuffle kind of song which, which helps in it. Live, we would always break it down and the audience, I have you know, the audience would sing with me. A lot of those things, Richie's suggestions as well. He's a great showman, Richie. He really knew how to go after an audience. Um, so I learned so much from him about that. But the song itself became, just like A Man of the Silver Mountain, became really one of the signature, signature songs, not only for the band, but for me. Uh, just as, I think because I've kept uh, Man of the Silver Mountain alive for such a long time, and long with rock and roll, alive for such a song for a long time. Those and even Heaven and Hell have become signature songs for me because no one else does it. And if they did, you'd never really get them to sound like the person who did them originally. And luckily I've had that have a voice that has been distinct enough, and that's really part of success. Distinct enough so that people hear what I know that is. So for those reasons, for keeping it alive, you know, they become, you know, kind of high, high points in my own musical career, but that uh, particular song, the title was Richie's. This might be a question that will morph into other tracks but as it was originally performed by Richie Blackmore and as you now had it performed because you still play it live 26 years later by uh
you're going straight to hell unless you do this. George Carlin referred to them as Sister Mary and the Metal Ruler. Well, that's the thing. You know, and I wrote a song about that, too. I don't even know if it's on here. But it's called Jesus, Mary, and the Holy Ghost. Uh, it's on this record. It's, it's not on, on this. Record. No. Well, it's one of my favorite songs. I love that song. And it mirrors my feeling as a kid growing up. You know, I saw, they said to me, oh, there's your God. And I look up and there's this guy hanging from a cross and a nail with blood coming out of him. And the poor bastard. I'm going, Jesus, that's God. And they're going, oh, there's his mother. There's his mother, and she's got, virgin. she's got eyes of stone. You know, there's no, all the statues in Catholicism, you know, have absolutely no, no, no life to them at all. Right. Well, what's this? And then they told me the big one, the Holy Ghost. I went, Jesus Christ, you mean to tell me there's a fucking ghost under there? He's only under my bed? Because that's what you think of as a kid. And so right away I said, you know, you people are fucked. And that became my attitude about religion. You people are fucked. I, think, I see nothing that's wrong with religion, because morally I think it gives you such a leg up. Right. Uh, and dealing with your fellow fellow man and maybe being kinder to them than you could be. But the reality of the situation is that it's all poaching. Yeah, because you're corrupting the word. Yeah. yeah. The word. Buddha, Krishna, Jesus, Moses, Abraham, they all have the word. But it gets corrupted by institutionalization yep. greed and greed. Well, I've read Christ's words and he's, man, he was left alone. He, he was a prophet. He had awesome... I'm a Jew. I really identify with a lot of what he said. Because he was a Jew, too. Sure. That's right. I mean, it's I the institution that corrupts, man. But, you know, the other thing that bothered me the most about Division it Division instead of connectivity. I mean, I find philosophers so much, you know, give me so much more than I got yeah. from, you know, from, from Christ. And, and the reason being that because we live in this real world, I don't know how much of that... I, I would say probably 90% of that was created by... Someone else. Yeah. I mean, you know, Jesus wasn't running around, you know, going, and the, you know, the, the meek will inherit the earth. Were well, those the exact words? No. I doubt it very much. And all the other things he said, they're all been created from this Bible situation. So, how am I to believe? All I believe in is this that whoever said those things were morally very, very good. Yeah. Whether it was Jesus or the guy who wrote his autobiography, they were very, very good at it. And those are wonderful moral things, but, you know, they aren't reality. They don't, they don't reside in within reality. They reside in in that utopian idea that we're never going to find. At least I don't think See, right? This is a song that we learned uh, from a fellow named Steve Young who uh, lived in San Diego. This is called Seven Bridges Road. I hope you like this. There are stars in the southern sky Southward as you go There is moonlight and moss in the trees Down the seven bridges roll Now I Like some love 
southern sky And if ever you decide You should go Energize the Lawn Friend Podcast, December 26, 2016. Glenn Fry introduces that song, paying homage to Steve Young, the outlaw country icon from the 70s who wrote that. Steve Young passed this in this year, and <clears throat> it was th- that was the double whammy that hit me was Bowie on the on January 11th, and then a week or so later, Glenn Fry. I had m- m- my youth was scripted by David Bowie's albums. Uh, the 70s were a tapestry of Bowie's songs. I had every record when it came out, including Hunky Dory and Space Oddity. I was teenager. I had no pubic hair, was late bloomer, didn't know how to talk to chicks, total geek, glasses, spinning vinyl in my room, couldn't play shit, Don't no instrument. All I could do was air guitar with my Wilson tennis racket and listen to these artists beautiful transcendent artists my my connection to glenn fry was much more personal because uh, i had played golf with them a few times and he was friends with john barrick who was half of the kelly barrick golf tournament that was a private pebble beach event every uh labor day around labor day and when i was in the big money I got to play with agents and lawyers and record label presidents. And Glenn, <clears throat> Glenn, he was so much fun on the golf course. He's a lefty. He would not be ashamed to bust out a reefer around the turn. Line, you want to hit this with me? You don't say no to Glenn Fry. And... I didn't know he was sick. I'm not in the know so much in that realm. I didn't know he was even sick. And then Bowie dies, and then I'm, and then a few days later, Glenn dies. And I, his daughter Taylor went to high school with my daughter Megan. They went to Marymount High. And one of my really, really favorite memories was the father daughter dance, the, the senior father daughter dance, where me and Glenn are, are are hanging out at the bar, and. I go, you know, dude, if you weren't here, this wouldn't be, like, as cool an event. It, we're here with our kids. He goes, Lon, it's a dance. It's all good. I don't even remember what he said. He said something brilliant like Glenn would do. And I I miss him because I think about him. And um, the Eagles just... I mean, who plays Dio into the Eagles? That's why I'm not linear. 
That's why there's no science to this. I'm just going with the emotional flow right now. And after the Dio and Jimmy Bain and thinking about Ronnie and how much I, I was so fond of Ronnie, you know, we, he was a part of the rip years. And then Glenn and the Steve Young synchronicity. It's just, you know. Look, this isn't morose. This is not a morbid show. That song has always made me float. I've loved that Eagles song. And it wasn't penned by Glenn and Don. It was penned by this cowboy from the 70s. And he chose 2016 to exit the musical Mortal Coil like so many others. Anyway. So, Mike, we were going to play... Um, we lost Sid Barrett, right? The founding member of Pink Floyd. Now that I keep thinking about the 70s and where I come from, where I come from musically, artistically, intellectually, cosmically, youthfully born and bred in the San Fernando Valley of Los Angeles, <clears throat> not much to do after school but type up my notes and listen to songs and albums like Frippinino and <laughs> Yes. <laughs> oh, man. Anyway, so... Uh, Shane, talk to me a minute about what you just said about Pink Floyd. You just made a comment to me that was very telling. Bring that up again. You're talking about the signed album? Yeah. Well, my brother Chris... Your brother's a prog rocker like... My, like my brother is. He's a diehard. You know, he turned me on to ELP. He right. turned me on to Aerosmith back in 77. Okay. Yeah. You know, I remember he had the poster in his... You know, my middle brother and I, yeah. Brett, shared a, shared a room. Mm -hmm. Chris had his own room. He was 16, you know, he's 14, 15. Mm -hmm. And I remember walking out of his room one day and looking and seeing this this shot of four guys on a stage and, you know, Joey was way in the back. And I remember seeing the long hair and the bell bottoms and Steven with his scarves on them. And I was like, what is that? And he goes, that's Aerosmith, man. And he turned me on to Aerosmith, which to this day, I am so grateful to my brother, Chris. Thank you. And title chapter, Sweet Demotion. That's right. And um, What's the matter with you, Lon? Why aren't you in a better mood? <laughs> <laughs> so so my brother Chris turned me on to so much different music, even to this day. I mean, turned me on to everything from Jimmy Buffett to Yes. And to you got ELP. him a gift. I got him a gift. I think it was for his 30th birthday. He could text me and tell me if I'm right or wrong, if you're listening, bro. Um, I just knew what Pink Floyd meant to him. Yeah. And I had a, an old friend who was a, a, a go-to guy for getting stuff. And my brother's big birthday was coming up. He was turning 30, I believe. And... Um, I, I said, if there's anything you can get me... Sid Barrett died in 2006. That's right. I, said, I thought he died this last year. It was 10, it was 10 years ago. Oh, let's... Okay, let's stay on point. I'm, I'm almost done. Shame. I'm a long-winded kid. Okay. Uh, so I, I said to my buddy, I said, if you could get me a Pink Floyd signed record for my brother for his birthday coming up, I would just love it. And he said, give me a cup. When do I have till... And I asked him like in November, and he, I said, you got until February. My brother's birthday at the end of February. So he called me about six weeks later. He said, come on in. I got something for you. And I went in there, and he handed me Dark Side of the Moon, signed by all four guys, yeah. and, and had pictures of the guys signing them. Wow. And I knew he knew everybody. This guy's been around since dirt. 
and uh, was able to give it to my brother. And and to this day, I know it's you know I've seen it in his house frame. See, my brother is my Prague brother too, because we he's two years, ten months, my my junior, and we discovered all that vinyl together. Yep. And that's what you you're so much a part of where you come from musically it, it, it defines your character yep. and a lot because people just think i'm you know out there sometimes and it's because of what i'm listening to just like you see metal kids and they have this aggression and this sense of bravado and community because you know me i was 10 years i chronicled the scene from 87 to 97 with rip magazine but i grew up on the other stuff right and Believe me, I've had these conversations with guys like Mike Portnoy and Jeff Tate who represent like the link between prog and metal because they're right. very similar. The virtuoso aspect, the fact that they had chops and w- the, why alternative music gets criticized sometimes is those guys aren't weren't players. But these they're they're all classically trained. The prog and the yeah. metal guys, and I even had this conversation with Bruce Dickinson in England uh, a bunch of years ago, because he lives in Peter Gabriel's neighborhood. <laughs> That's an interesting uh, mix. <laughs> well, anyway, so Sid Barrett, he departed 10 years ago. That's why it came to mind, because it's 10th anniversary. I saw this picture that Mick Rock took of him, like, real young. because You know, I almost had Mick call in after Bowie died, but he was just inundated by people i sent him an email and he said hit me after this passes and i think that'll be a very special show if i ever do another show about bowie exclusively it'll be you know i was i i got my friend susan in new york she's the random traveler around the world to see concerts she'll go to europe to see a band but she introduced me to mick rockwick night we had tea at this lounge and he pulls out his iphone he starts showing me these photos Oh, you like this one, Lon? Check this one out, and it's outtakes from the from the from the phone booth of Ziggy Stardust session, and it's outtakes from the pinups cover, and it's outtakes from from Lou Reed's Transformer cover. Wow! He goes, yeah, and he tells me a short story. I go, I go, Mick, you understand that every one of these records is like my teenage years. Yeah, well, he knows he captured it being a photographer and a writer you know you're really blessed if you get into a moment in time where it's transpiring in front of you and you're you're in the middle and i hold i really hold dear being in the middle of it with metallica and guns and roses black and appetite and having a staff that was on the street and those are pure times and having those parties with all those bands playing for you for free because they wanted to be, you know, aligned with your cool magazine. And it's not like that anymore. It's just not. It's not. No, you threw the parties at the Country Club. We talked about that. Well, one at the Country Club, but four at the Hollywood Palladium, which were lit. And then the Guns N' Roses' last club show at the Park Plaza two days before the Stones Coliseum shows. Yeah, it's an it's a documentary that'll never be made, just like it's all these other books that I'd never get written. But I get texts from Emily, who's been here with Nadia and Jules. They were my first three angels that came in and performed. And after Bowie, after Bowie died, they came in and and Emily's band worked up with Jules a version of Fame and played it live in studio here. So I think and I, I said, if I ever write a book about Emily, if she ever lets me close enough, you know, like under the covers close, then I, then I will call it See Emily Play, because I would like to see Emily play. Anyway, let's, let's play this one. 
And then we'll come back, and more people showed up. But misunderstands. She's often inclined to borrow somebody's dreams till tomorrow. There is no other day. Let's try it another way. You'll lose your mind and play. Free games don't know, Walter. The world goes on for millions and millions of years, and how long is a man's life? This much, a pinch, a drop, a microscopic fragment. Why can't a man live 500 years or a thousand years? Why does he have to die almost the moment he's born? I told you I don't know, dear. No, you wouldn't. Go on, get out of here. Yes, dear. I have to take my own pulse. <coughs> Give myself a checkup. A doctor couldn't care less. <laughs> my sinuses. It's moved from my chest to my sinuses. After that'll be my brain and then poof. As if I never existed at all. What's the point? The point indeed. It's a crime for a man to live such a short span of years. A crime. What I wouldn't give, what I wouldn't give to live a decent number of years. Two hundred, three hundred. Why not five or six hundred? 
Yes, why not? We're a thousand. What a miserable thing to contemplate. A handful of years and then eternity in a casket down under the ground. The dark, cold ground. With worms yet. Of course, with worms. And bacteria in the soil and all manner of filth and decomposition, toxic waste. Who are you? Cadwallader's the name. And immortality is my game. Tomorrow's double feature Heaven is on the pillow 
Energize the Lawn Friend Podcast. That was another one of those records from that period that I spun ad nauseum. That was Diamond Dogs, David Bowie. So, and of course, my anyone who's been listening to me for the last five years knows that I always pull bites from the Twilight Zone Radio Theater, which was a beautiful series done, inspired by the original episodes. And that that's one of my favorites, where a guy sells the soul to the devil, which gets us into the whole another conversation on, do rock stars sell their souls to the devil? So let me invite my two guests who just walked in, proprietor of the finest thin-sliced Brooklyn pizza in the city of Los Angeles, Ooh. Mr. Steve Cohen, Ooh. who is in this book. Ooh. He is in Sweet Demotion. Ooh. Because I used to ride my bike. He's in Chapter 21. He used to ride my bike by his pizzeria, and What's he'd be out there in front. Village Pizzeria. Oh. Oh. Get up to the mic. Say it again. Oh. <laughs> now I think about him often. I thought last week in New York was in New York City, and we were my daughter and I were walking, <clears throat> walking um, right past Madison Square Garden, and I said, "Hey, Meg, you know Steve from the Village? That's where he saw his first concert. First concert. Tell us about your first concert. Oh, my first concert. Going to camp in Pennsylvania as a 15-year-old lad, and my brother." sent for me by surprise to go to the big city first time. Did the day show. Walked into a cloud of smoke. And it was Bangladesh. Right. It was George Harrison's. Oh. It was the first, the first, uh, what do you call it, charity? Yes. Benefit. Benefit concert yes, ever $235,000 was the check yeah. that was originally cut. Yeah. I have that on the wall. Yeah, and think about how many of the artists we've been talking about were at that gig who yeah. are go- no longer here. Leon, Leon Russell, George Harrison. Billy. Yep. Billy P. Yep. Billy Preston. The fifth, the fifth Beatle. Most of Badfinger. Badfinger. Yeah. yeah. Ravi. Really didn't wear Ravi Shankar. Credited. Now, the other voice you hear here is my friend Junkman Jordan Walsh, a seasoned disc jockey in the ways of metal and music who's been my friend since the KNIC.com days, which we mentioned earlier in 2000, which is also in 
sweet demotion. Saint Grenis. Beautiful Saint days of walking into uh, see you and uh, and uh, Bob Ezrin and Rob Jones and Paul doing all the thinking yeah. in the middle of the, and Frank Meyer. Frank doing, Meyer doing all the doing all this. Frank Meyer was invited tonight. He was going to bring in the Sweet Walking Cheetahs guitar and play right. for us, but he's in Idlewild. Really, with his daughter, I think, or well, some girl. There's an excuse. That's a good yeah, one. You know, that's tis the season. Tis the season to nice be to snowy. see you, by the way, my friend. Oh. And so, Junkman brings me this Henry Miller shirt. Sure. He knows that he's my hero. And Nadia and I have a great bond about Henry Miller mm-hmm. and an Anais Nin. She gave me an Anais Nin book for my, for Christmas. Well, there you go. That it's all that. connected. And it says, Chaos is the score upon which reality is written. Exactly. That's the man. That's Big a rock sir. and roll line if there ever was one. Nadia, so were you just written. in Big Sur? So before there said. was rock and roll. Were you just in Big Sur? Yeah, I was just in Big Sur. I was um, taking photographs oh. of original manuscripts and correspondences Beautiful. between uh, Henry and my, happy my place. godfather's father. That's where I got married. Highway That's where one. I drove by wait, a wait, wait. year ago today. Wait, who got married? I did. You got married in Big Sur. I did. My wife, Val, and I got married in Big Sur. Nice. Post Ranch Give him a round of applause. I feel like we need marshmallows. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to make s'mores around this fire tonight <laughs> out here. It's with a love Kumbaya. Fest. We'll be played at least Kumbaya. Once, right? <laughs> now, Steve, I'm pl- he walks in while uh, a song from the 60s and 70s, and he's, it, he tells me who's been coming into his restaurant, who has frequented yeah, his restaurant yeah. and we earlier he didn't hear this part because you can't hear it in the car no i tried but you told us that leonard cohen used yes, to come into your place yes i've had several uh, visits by mr cohen of no relation and uh he sat at the counter often came alone and um it was a, a peculiar aura of him we he got his space yeah but I would, you know, me in my social way, come over, yeah. share that we have the same last name, yeah. and how grateful I am of his presence and appreciating his his uh, accomplishments and his career. And there was a mutual, there was a, definitely a mutual respect for him loving my product and, and me uh, knowing who he was. But he, there's something about Larchmont in general. It, mm-hmm. Paparazzi don't come. Right. People don't bother people on on our street. Right. And that was, you know, very very. Uh, understanding over the years and I've had several others over the years that we when I'm with you and your company I realize it comes to me what what the music rock and roll uh, people have been in both my stores over the years and it's quite profound it's a yeah I, I introduced you to Niels Lozauer yes, all those years who ago opened who opened up the door who, yeah who who uh it's because of him that Paul Stanley was flipping pies in yes your, in your yes, place yes and uh and Gene and Gene says the, the name will never work you got to change the name you got to change your meatballs are good, but the name will never work. You got to change the name. <laughs> Tell me about Leonard Cohen. Did he actually ask you for? Do you have any crushed red pepper? No, he <laughs> was very, again very had his space, very very quiet, and we gave him his space. Good. Just him being there was enough for me to run in the back and go, "Holy shit!" And everybody knows. <laughs> <laughs> but as I was mentioning, um, you know, we we had uh, you were just showing me something on Pink Floyd, and one of my biggest. Um, uh, fan, uh, musical love, George Harrison. I had Danny Harrison one day with uh, Stephen Gilmore, David Gilmore's kid, and they were eating lunch. They were had been over to Capitol Records in my Hollywood store, and I was just uh, shit. It was like a, a, a kid in the playground, just sitting there talking about George and David, and um, I, I was overwhelmed. They they enjoyed their food, and I enjoyed the conversation. 
But they they enjoyed li- like liberally talking about you know as oh, much yeah. as they possibly could about their parents. Uh, no, they were very reserved. You had to be very careful of the questions yeah. that you ask, and I just was, you know, very... They weren't Jerry Lewis by any means. No, no. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> That's good. You saw the Jerry Lewis Oh, interview. man. He's 91, oh. and, is, and he's eating alive, this oh pro- Hollywood reporter. I did not like interviewer that. Interviewer who just... He did everything but fling poo at him like the monkeys <laughs> in the zoo. You know, basically he did with his, with his attitude. But here's... But think about this for a second, all right? We're talking about artists who may have been snapped at early times, like 60s, all of these icons from the 70s who lived so hard mm-hmm. and created such great music, and some of them have been sober for three decades, yeah, they're all him. dying in their late 60s. They're all dying. And this yes. angry SOB is 60s. still living. And he's 91, yep. and he, he's Jerry Lewis, which is, he's a legend in so many ways, but he just keeps chugging along. And maybe yeah. he's sick, and he, but he's angry. But yeah. what I got out of that he, he was angry. his love, true love for Dean he loved Dean Martin, and that that was his the pinnacle of his career. Yeah, that after so many years that they were will, he was willing to and admit. his telethon. I would have liked to watch him explode if I would have only just ask him about when the clown cried. You know, the day the clown cried movie. <laughs> I would have loved to just watch his eyes blow up and have him just he'd go right there. If I would, if I <laughs> do you remember Cinderella? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. See so you guys, are, you're in hey lady. hey lady, hey lady, hey <laughs> lady. <laughs> Jerry, man. But Jerry Lewis, he on. made it through 2016. He did. He's and so around. did Don Rickles. Yeah, but who's Rickles, George Burns, 101. Cool. George Rickles Burns. Is still cool. You know? Yeah. That's the thing. Now, you wait a minute. Him. You just told me, Shane, someone died at 99 in your family just before the election. Uh, yeah, my grandmother Margie, God rest her, and right. the the text that was going around the family was, well, thank God she wasn't here to see this. Because <laughs> hey. her, her birthday was on Super Tuesday. Yeah. Oh. My dad, you know, my dad is 99. Yeah. I met him Your the other day. And my Aunt Lil in Brooklyn right now is 104. It's in the water, man. 104. Yeah. That's where Margie lived, Brooklyn. Or Floral Park, the, which is from the water. It's the water. <laughs> it's the water. Which Same you import with the, for your pizza, right? Same yeah. thing with the pizza and the yeah. cheese. Right? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I still bring it in. I have a pipeline. <laughs> That's it. That's it, man. Yeah. When it's not your time, nothing can take it's you. Not your time. When it is your time, nothing you're can gone. save you. Your number That's comes right. up. That's live right. by that. Yeah. You have to. It's crazy. Hey, your number comes up, it's time to. You have to. Yeah. That explains an awful lot. You yeah. know, with Which means know. we have to really be here now. We have to be. Thank you, Ram Das Cohen. Be here now. <laughs> Think I got that from Ravi. Has there ever been a year in like popular culture where so many popular no. people have and, been? And, and you, another one today. One of my favorite drummers. Weather of all Report. Time. No, Alphonse Muzan. One of the he best. He was in Weather Report? He, well, he played with the guys in Weather Report. Okay, talk about Alphonse. Alphonse Muzan had more chops than Benny Hanna, man. Wow. This guy was amazing. <laughs> well said. As, as opposed to being a drummer. You know, I'm a drummer 46 years. Alphonse Muzan was one of those guys that had chops that were so ridiculous that you could not follow this guy. Yeah. I posted a thing on my Facebook page today of him playing with uh, with Jocko Pastorius. And Jocko is looking at him and just yeah. putting on his, you know, of all people, yeah. looking at Alphonse Muzan playing and just smiling. That's a hellish rhythm section. My God, it's the best. Uh, in terms of, they're musicians, musicians. Yeah. He was on a lot of things. Matter of fact... For those in the know that like want to figure out who this guy is that don't really know their jazz or anything like that, he was the drummer in that thing you do when the kid I goes, love that movie. When the kid goes Tom to the Hanks. jazz club and he's yeah. playing the drums, that's Alphonse. Yeah, Tom Hanks. Yes, Playtone. Yes, 
Yes, but when the kid goes to the jazz club and Hank, Tam Hanks' wife is the waitress, Mike, the guy playing the drums, I and want he's you loving, to find that's Alfonso. That thing you do. Yeah. That's what I love being. But they don't you have guys. that. They yeah, don't have that jazz thing. Of that. Out of right. it's By the way, it was Fountains of Wayne who yes. wrote all those songs. Yes, absolutely. That was uh, George, Jason. Or yeah, Fountains of Wayne. Yeah, they're great. I love that. And movie. Tom Hanks helped them with the lyrics. Li- uh, that's li- that's Liv yeah. Tyler. Yeah. Now, have you have you ever watched the director's cut on that? The director's no. cut brings that movie to a whole other that's thing. It. They there's a there's a there's a scene where Tom Hanks pulls up to the hotel with his boyfriend, played by Fred Dreyer. So it's got that Whoa. part of in there. There's a whole other lot of things with the director's. I cut. I want to hear that. Mike. So you have to go see that. But doing that thing you do. But when he goes to the when he goes to the blue, I'll sing it. Whatever the jazz club that he goes to, and he's loving that jazz band and just like shaking his head and just loving everything about it. Alphonse is the drummer that he's watching. So and he passed today. He passed today. Wow. Yes, today. Today. Wow. Today. And then George Michael. What yes, man. Wow. Yeah. Well, I'm gonna close. Did you I see got the a, pictures of George, George Michael of him? Oh my! I don't, said it wasn't I, I, even I don't, him. People don't, don't believe, believe it was him. It was him. Those pictures are terrible. He plumped up Whoa. like a ballpark Frank. Yeah. If he did, it was pretty big. But but someone posted 53? the original driving around in car. The cars that yeah, James Gordon, Gordon yeah. does the karaoke. The first one he did was yep. with George, George Michael, Michael, and it's so funny. Over there, These two Britain, Englishmen yeah. running around. Um, so funny. Yeah. So we had the lead guitar player for Status Quo. What two days? No, ago? I played. I just played. I played he, yeah. that. I played the Matchstick Man. Yes, and that's that's uh, his opening guitar <laughs> riff, Rick. <laughs> that's how we started the show. Remember you the remake it? of that where they did that with a violin? <laughs> See, we have knowledgeable people here at yes. the Energize Studio tonight. I have this is the biggest crowd I've had in a while. Well, you know, <laughs> did you bring pizza? No. Oh, we thought about six it. days. We I thought, thought about it, it but I want. Oh, I didn't, I didn't yeah. want to be. I didn't want to be known for just that. I wanted to be welcome without the pizza. Well, you know, you're always I welcome. Know, yeah. Of course, I did we my saw, beard. We, my beard for you. We saw some concerts together. Yeah, yeah, sure. Greek yeah. theater. Yeah. Didn't yeah. we do the? Uh, didn't we go to uh, Fonda? For Zach, weren't you at, with me? No, that was my friend Rick no. to see Zach at, at no, Fonda. No, that was another Jewish and then, guy with uh, a goatee. You two timer. You and I went Leon, to see Zach at the Fonda. Oh, okay. Then I yeah. saw Leon at the Fonda and went around to the bus. They stole somebody stole wait, a, wait. a guitar of his, of his band member. Leon. Yeah. So Leon, his bus was parked on the side street. Yeah. That was the biggest loss of the year, as far okay. as I'm concerned. Let's get some Leon Russell up next. Yeah, that was my. That was probably my biggest. And we loss. saw him at the Grammy Museum up in front and personal. My Leon Russell story is very weird. The first job I real job I had was a, I was a courier with Kaiser Permanente. And before I got to UCLA, my last year at Valley College, I drove lab work around the city. And there was a lab in North Hollywood where we had to pick up sputum and blood, Ugh. take it to the main centers. Don't say and it. That was my job. Leon? Across the street from the North Hollywood. You was, carried Leon? Was Leon Russell's oh, I thought you studio. <laughs> was Leon, it was on Hollywood Way. And, and did you see that last? That was the studio. And I saw him like so many times with his long beard. Yeah. This was in the mid-70s. He still had the beard in the 70s. What was that place called? He did. They posted a great concert. He owned from it for like studio decades. Along in Hollywood just recently when he passed. There's no signage on it. It's this blank gray building. But I saw him go in there as, as I was driving my lab work around. I was 18, 19 years old. 
I met him over here in Long Beach when he was playing. We did a tour with Johnny Winter, and he played a place called Bogarts. Bogarts. in Long Beach, yeah. and I worked next door. And yeah. I used to go down, yeah. and I'd get there in the afternoon or whatever like that, and I'd get to, to talk with the guys as they were you know, doing after I'll tell sound you, check. Did, did you see nice the Union Tour with Elton? No. I saw I did, I did Hollywood yeah. Palladium yeah, in the room where the rip parties took place. Yep. Elton and, and Leon comes out with his cane, yep. and he looks like he can barely get behind the piano. The minute he puts his cane down and they start playing, he is yep. reborn. Delta Lady was mind-blowing that yeah. night, and that's it's the night favorite. that I saw T-Bone Burnett backstage because he produced he was, that record. Yeah. Th this Hollywood concert, I have it right here, yeah. was with the Claudia Lanier, who is the backup singer, who was in that famous backup singer movie, 20... What was it? Just the one feet from Sardom. Yeah, and this was a, a thank you. Naughty. Everybody's in it. Everybody's Naughty. in it. We're and all contributing was, tonight. I don't know if you yeah. saw this gig, but it was an incredible night of raw music from Leon. <sighs> I'm just saying that I loved them too. And the last show I did, I played "Stranger in a Strange Land," which remains my favorite Leon song. But but his Bangladesh riff, his, yeah, he was that's, off, that's he was just show. off of his. Yeah. He just came in. Watch young, out now. Take care of me while green later. Young blood. Young blood. He just came off with some stuff right he off of his. Bumped right into that. Out <laughs> of nothing. Just brought it. That's you know? that's my youth too, yeah, man. Yeah, I had yeah. that record. Yeah. I always yeah. wanted to see him do a duet with Doctor John. I met Doctor John this year, which was an experience. It was awesome. Got to spend some time with him. Wait, wait. Could be. Did Doctor John? Did no, he die? No, he's here. He's, he's still here. alive. He's here. Doctor Hook. But I would have loved to see the two of them. Doctor Hook. And the medicine show. Yeah. See? I yeah. got to keep on We got to thank Elton for pulling Leon. I never heard that story. That yeah. Night. I Elton, never thought that, that Leon was in the back, uh, back, of the, you know, back of the bus yes. and that Leon brought him back out into yeah. the forefront. Yeah. Yeah. El yeah. Elton loved. Was he crazy. was one of his heroes because of that crazy. stride way of playing the piano. Yep. He is one of Elton's true influences. Well, you think of Didn't all the that. records that Leon was on back yes. in the day. Uh, he was a record crew member. He was a record guy on all those records. With Glenn Campbell. You know, he was the house... He was the house piano player at Shindig and yes. the Tammy Show. Yes. He was the house uh, piano City, player at the Tammy guys, Show. All that out. stuff, um, where the action is. He did all that stuff. That was that was that was him. Delta Lady. You oh, want to hear some Delta Lady? Can we hear some Delta Lady? I found. Come you. on, it's Energize a Lot Fred Podcast.
Thank you. Energize the Line Fred podcast on November 18th. Sharon Jones, the legendary soulful pipes from the Dap Kings, she departed. Here's my odd Sharon Jones Dap Kings story. We the Hollywood Bowl. Just <laughs> last, last visit with the Dap she, Two years ago, 2014, I worked on a book for a doctor, a holistic doctor named Dr. Gabrielle Francis. She made this book called The Rockstar Remedy. It was about living a healthy life with the rock and roll spirit, you know, not having to get wasted. Oh, that book, so that I interviewed about that. 25 artists for Dr. Francis, Dave Navarro, Steven Tyler, Rudy Sarzo, just a whole Phil Collins, the healthy guys. Like, Phil Collin has no body survivors. Fat. I didn't interview Lemmy. By the, the survivors. The <laughs> ones who made it through. I didn't interview Lemmy. <laughs> I, 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 I interviewed Lemmy yeah. several times under different circumstances. Exactly. Yeah. But um, Took a lot of medicine. There was a, a, a release party for the book. And I was invited to New York, and I went to the party, and it was a great room. It was the night that I... Dave Ellison from Megadeth comes up to me and goes, Lon, Julian Lennon is here. I've always wanted to wow. meet him. I go... I know him. You want to meet him? He goes, oh, dude. So I introduced him. And within 30 seconds, they discover they have a mutual friend, nice. like a tech. And they're exchanging cell numbers and everything, and they're thick as thieves. So he goes, thanks, buddy. And I took this great photo. I had like my huge beard like you have right now then, like the winter Manhattan frosty it's beard. It's the Stanley Cup beard, dude. Yeah, that's it. It's a Stanley Cup beard. So... Uh, the night of that party, the headliner in this like hotel, not a big room, but there were like 500 people. Sharon Jones Sharon tore Soulful. the place Oof. down. And it's so odd, too, because I just like a week ago, week and a half, she's a month, she's, she's gone, and yeah. she was, well, she's my age, dude. She died my yeah. age, 60. Yeah. So mortality hits you right in the head well, when like you have you an anecdote earlier, to these, share. These are musicians that have been on the road. They're drinking, and they're not taking care of themselves. She supposedly stops, was you know? living a holistic life because of Dr. Francis. You know how I met Dr. Francis? Michael Franti introduced okay. us. And it's just, that was like the best part. It was like the project that got me through the year my mom died. Because yeah. I was working on it. And I was driving here from way out. To come out to San Pedro, which was this show, kept me alive. Because I, I didn't care I was going, when my mom got sick, I was going 75 miles each way. I had to be here, and I had to be on the air, and I had to do this. And I had people that helped me through. Because music is always supportive in trying times, if you grew up loving it. Both my parents died when I was on the air. Separate times. Separate times, yeah. But you were on the air. Both times. And 9-11, too, as well. Wow. Thanks, Joe. Sorry, I didn't mean to, like, step on you or anything like that. No, but thank you for sharing it's that. True. We're, That's true. I was what talking. We I was talking about my parents yeah, just to Steve tonight. We were both comparing. We, we think that I think uh, my mom and his mom, or my dad and his mom. Lafayette High School in Brooklyn. They could have been classmates. Now, did somehow, was I in the middle of your meeting? Did I have something to do with you guys meeting? You two? Uh, no, we just How got together. Get we know each other. Lowe's. Yeah, yeah, it was through the great, Lowe's. The, the great Lowe's. Niels Lowe's. Well, yeah. see, or it could have been because I met no, so Lowe's. many rockers from you guys. No, yeah. he, was on my, he was on my route when I would go to, go to, 
Go to uh, do my show on Mondays on, at Calzone uh, on KNA Monday Calzone. I did that. I did that show with you and many times in that I little room all. at David E. Kelly's studio. And I have them all on. I just had all my interviews. Dude, what digitized. was the show I did with you? It was a classic. Who we was did a with bunch us? of different ones. You had no. your friend Kiara was with us one time that you brought her. Wait, wait, you the violinist? In, yeah, yeah. But you also walked in with uh, with um, what's his name with Snake. One time yeah, that was classic. Snake. Remember that? Yeah. And we had a blast that day. Snake from, from Skid, Skid Row. Row? Yeah, I get yeah. a I get a Facebook message from someone I don't know. He goes, "Lon, <laughs> is this your guitar?" And you know me. I've had yeah. to sell memorabilia to survive over the yeah, last yeah. decade. So it's a it's a guitar from 1993, and it's a Les Paul, and it says, "My bro- to my brother, I love you, Snake." And I said, and I just wrote back, "Yes, that was mine." And we're still friends, so you play that guitar well, there you are. with a lot of spirit. Because that guy, he's he's he remains in my heart. Dude, we had a we had some great shows together, you and I. Like for two hours a time, you brought Judy one time. You, were, you brought Judy one time with you. That Judy was fun. Applegate's in this book. Uh, Porcupine Judy. tree. I miss Judy. Remember? Wait, uh, jump so man. Fun. You mentioned Kiara. Ke- yes, the violinist. Yes, I just saw something. She's like really big now. Really, she does. <laughs> wait, you gotta. Would you Google her for me? Because she's playing with like something heavy. She's a talent, man. That girl no, can play some no, she's fiddle. Kiara Perico? Yes. But Nadia, yeah. look up Kiara yeah, you Perico. And, you and I had some very legendary chats <laughs> on the air Isn't it before. funny the cr- paths we cross with people? Sure. What's we even don't more know funny is you name a go. name, and the name gives you another name and another story. You're like six degrees of separation. And it just go, it can go yeah. on and on and Connective on Connective tissues. Yeah, I do the same thing all the time. Well, Shane it. today had... I, he says, I saw in your book you mentioned the Milky Way, Steven my Spielberg's my restaurant. He goes, my wife manages that place. I said, we had Christmas there, there two years there. ago. There, and my we had Christmas <laughs> there because and, where and did Jews go on Christmas? Chinese, Chinese restaurants. Chinese, or or yeah. the Milky Way, Steven Spielberg's it mom's a, restaurant. Yeah. Last year on Pico. Last year on Christmas, I took a Jewish Santa Claus on Christmas for Chinese food. He's I was there. I did my Santa Chinese Claus. food yesterday. He's a professional Santa Claus, but I took the Jewish guy, the Jewish Santa Claus, out for Chinese food Chinese on food Christmas, Christmas Day. No yeah. other thing. And it was the worst Chinese food I ever had. And being a true Jewish Santa Claus, I must say, yeah. I had to pick up the check. And the, po- <laughs> and the poster that they pr- that was out on Facebook is uh, Chinese people thanking all Jewish people Absolutely. for uh, their commitment. That's right. I saw that. Yeah, just, like that yep. just, like Christmas. That. just like the scene in that Christmas story, you yeah. know, when they yeah. when they chop off the head this of the duck. This is the second time someone's brought up the Christmas story to me in life. Of course. Well, you know, it's Christmas. Christmas. Why not? You know? Why not? When else do we talk about it? <laughs> What's she doing right now, Nadia? Will you just look a little deeper into the thing, what she up to now? Because I heard something is about she... her. I was really proud. Because... Like, I had a pizza in New York with her. I forgot mm-hmm. where. It certainly wasn't at your pizzeria. Yeah. It was in New York. We ended up hooking her up with a company at NAM. I saw her at NAM a couple years yeah, ago. Yeah, because she, she did some stuff, I think, with yes. Laura Kay. Yes. And all of the, uh, her and her husband's violin. What's the last name? Thousands. Perico. Yeah. It's Italian. Great lady. Did she, did she play with uh, Sheryl Crow or John Tesh? She may have. Wait a minute. She played with John Tesh. Wait a minute. I don't know. Like 15 Perico, years ago? Pericone or Perico? Perico. It's Maybe. okay. I don't uh, know if it's cool to mention John Tesh. I don't know if it, was show, John, well, if it was John it Tesh. I wouldn't have noticed because I'd have been sleeping. <laughs> but I think she did. <laughs> I'm just not Jordan sure. Junkman Walsh, Steve Cohen, Shane Stanley, and Nadia Zoldi in the studio with Lon Friend. They all have separate tales of their amazing journeys. They're here, a conflagration of good souls. 
and Jordan brought me a Henry Miller shirt for Christmas. And we've been playing music and talking about spirits that have passed. Spirits in the night. We're going to go to Sharon Jones, right? We just played Sharon Jones. We got that checked off. You didn't have your cans on. He had his cans off. Anyway, so, um, (laughs) wow, this is great. What were we going to play next, Mike? What? We're going to go to George Michael. Oh, wait, that's when we close. close Do you have any other? Prince. Did you guys figure out? Well, not yet. No. Yeah, Prince. Okay, he was a huge law. It was gigantic. Yeah, that sort of maybe was the marquee because Bowie started Nothing. the year Prince. It's a marquee law. Not yet. Hey, but Nothing. I can't even touch Nothing. the ancillary amazing George Martin died. Yeah. Hello, Ooh, that was George. the fifth Beatle. Yeah, easily. Come to Vegas, see the Love Show. It's phenomenal. Oh, I've seen it three times from yeah. three different levels, from low, yeah. middle, and high. I saw it on the 50th anniversary yeah. of the Ed Sullivan Show, and I wrote a piece for Seven Magazine about it called A Life in the Day. And I I talked about when I went to to Chandler Elementary School, and when Magical Mystery Tour came out, I had all the students on the playground going, Hela, he, he, Lula, he, la. <laughs> and you act, they actually didn't they didn't give you a wedgie for that they actually sang along well, with you look at you school what you're doing is you're going to get into why i was a geek and why i spun from vinyl, one to another why i didn't it wasn't a tough guy and how odd it was that i became a, a, a rather well-known heavy metal journalist which was never in my plan it's like the universe hands you what you can ha- gives you what you can handle and takes you to the place of least comfort there was no design no grand design to 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 go to work for Larry Flint and then see you know years pass and you're you're a, you're reviewing porn films and you're developing your voice like my hero Henry Miller with writing about erotica and doing an article about a girl who blows her own brains out Shauna Grant who comes from yep. who's the fallen angel we talked about that thank today. you yep. poisons fallen angel yep. porn style and I do this last article and then then Althea Flint she passes. It's in the movie, and we and where was where was her memorial service? Forest Lawn, same room as Ronnie Dio's. Can I just tie it all together in a you black bow? Did. You just did. It's awesome. Oh, so we have the purple one, and then we'll come back and close it out. This is Lawn Friend, and thank you all for being here. And you're not ready to go yet. We're gonna play some purple. Thanks for having us, man. All right.
Energize the Lawn Friend Podcast. Kiara Anna is a classically trained violinist, singer based in Los Angeles, travels, performs with Adele. Wow. When she's not on the road, keeps a schedule with studio musicians. She was part of the Glee Band for season six of Glee. Pierce was featured musician on J- Joyce Gordon Levitt's Emmy Award winning hit record. Okay. So, anyway, that, so that's she's a note grown to, up a lot because she looks really cool and mature in this photo. So that's a no to John Tesh, is that what you're saying? I, I don't see <laughs> Tesh on the bio. <laughs> oh, God. Techno. Uh, anyway, so I have uh, uh, Jordan the Junkman, Steve Cohen, Shane, Nadia. This is my posse tonight. We've had an amazing, beautiful show acknowledging, paying homage through music and, and anecdote and rap. Uh, the, some of the artists that, that uh, part departed um, the earth in the past year, uh, like Prince. Now, do you think Prince is one of those fragile artists that when it's, that the, the year was so tough for empaths and so tough on good, conscious creators that he just said, I'm going to medicate, and if I check out, it ain't that bad, because I certainly have nothing, nothing, nothing We'll never know. To do, I've I've done a lot. I've released a hundred albums. I don't <laughs> think he was done. I don't think I that was think it at all. He wasn't no even way. close well, to being. I'm got, speaking no. philosophically. He's got thousands more on the floor, they said, of his Yeah, uh, yeah. like finding the Hendrix records well, oh. and stuff. I just think, uh, to be honest with you, and I don't want to say anything ever bad about him. I just think with a lot, like with a lot of our friends, and he just liked to be high. He just liked the high, yeah. and that's what he was waiting for, and, and that's what he was doing. And yet doing. you show me a meme of Keith Richards, and it says, I'm still, it's like Elton John, I'm still standing. Keith is just <laughs> laughing. There's pictures of Keith laughing, like, All right, hey, Mick, look who died tonight. I'm st- we're still here. <laughs> Mick's a dad at 73. Great, great no, brand grand. new dad. A dad at and 73. Yeah, and a dad at 73, but he's a great, great Wait, grand. he's he's he is a grand, great grandfather and a father yeah. right. simultaneously. Right. Yeah. That's almost as like what Bill Wyman did that one year where he married, he married the girl, the lady, and his son married her mom. Remember that? <laughs> <laughs> what do you call that? That's called rock and roll privilege. Absolutely. They are impervious to morality. Yes. <laughs> and that's why sometimes they live... There could be grandbrothers involved. And they die suddenly. It's time. Just some arm comes down from the cosmos. Time to yank you out. You've had enough fun. No more for you. (laughs) (laughs) Judging by this thing, too, you know who else? Another musician that died is Liza Minnelli's ex-husband. What was his name? The manager. David, David. Oh. Wait, you just said that Vanity died. Yes, too. Vanity died. Okay, yep. so Prince is Who was Vanity. singing in that song with who Prince. Who was singing in that song and who was hooked up with Nikki Six From Motley Crue. And one of the great stories in the dirt, Neil Strauss's wonderful mm-hmm. oral history of, which, which Doc McGee says, it doesn't even scrape Crunch the, the surface. surface. You know, you know, yeah, yeah it doesn't even scratch. <laughs> Not even close. It's not even the dirt under the fingernails. Next to John Claudner, he had the best voice I, in management. So, uh, yeah, yeah. Which you great. do, a great one. I love your Planet Rock book. It's great. <laughs> you know, it's a true you, Between that one and your Larry Flint impersonation, it's a true, you've got him down, dude. It's a true story that Claudner called my office mm-hmm. when he saw the new issue with the cover that said The Mighty Hatfield Speaks. Right, and and James just mentioned that cover in an interview with Cla- like I think Classic Rock Magazine or something. Someone overseas, he mentioned it. I saw him talking about that cover, yep. and he's like almost endearingly laughing at 
Yep, Mighty Hetfield speaks. Yeah, Claudia calls my offer. He goes, "This Metallica guy is so ugly. I can't believe you put him on the cover." <laughs> but he's eating those words now, man. They came out with the the, the monstrous, me- the metal record of the year, number one on my top ten list yeah, on KNC.com. Yeah, it is beyond. David Guest. David Guest. That was a good, that boy. Was Liza Minnelli's Liza Minnelli's ex-husband, yeah, David yeah, yeah. Guest. Yeah, another musician that had left us in 2016. Yeah. But uh, yeah, <laughs> I will always think of John Cla- of you when you when I hear John. He used Cladner. to take me to the Palm or yep. the Ivy every mm-hmm. week when mm-hmm. I ran Rip Magazine. Yep. For five years, he introduced me to those eateries, and Gigi, the owner of the Palm, used to kiss me on the cheek when I came <laughs> in, like I was like I was mob. Now you got to do so, now. Uh, you got to get, get your your Larry Flynn. And he'd order the same thing. Give me the homo salad. That's <laughs> what? what the homo salad? The homo That's salad. what Glenn called the salad. Glenn Fry. I'm gonna yeah, have a homo. Sa- no, we already talked about. It. Right. You missed this. I'm going through the list. Look, get off your phone. He's got the list. All right. No, I don't. I don't have I'm any late. list. I don't Patty have a list. I told you. I'm not Schindler. Right. I don't have a list. Okay. Well, you put your phone down and take part in the end of this monster. Um, so, Kaladner. Patty Duke. Patty Duke. They're cousins, identical cousins Zha-Zha. all the way. They laugh a lot, they slap a lot, they yell, they even bone the guy, Zha-Zha same guy. Yeah. What a wild duet. Yeah. What's, what's noteworthy about that Sean Aston, right? Yeah. He's and the son. Son of mm-hmm. Gomez. Right. Son. Gomez. And son of Rudy, Gomez. the brother. That's Rudy. Yeah. yeah. Sean and, yeah, and his, his He's Rudy. Is, he was a uh, goonie. Is Mackenzie. He's also an actor. Right. And the father is the Adams family. No, he's Gomez. Gomez. Yes, Mr. Adams. <sighs> and Lurch, Lurch was played by who? Was um, Ted, uh, Ted uh, something or other, Ted. But not Richard Keel. He was Ted, Jaws in this Ted. Yeah, 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 right. Different guy. Paul and Cather. he's dead. My favorite right. mim that you're talking about yeah. is the one where they have Wednesday Adams is teaching teaching Lurch to dance. Yeah. And it's an old clip from the Adams family, but they've dubbed in um, Metallica's or um, Megadeth's <laughs> Symphony of Destruction. <laughs> and it's so awesome. Watch it, because it's perfectly <laughs> in sync. <laughs> and the two of them are dancing to <laughs> Symphony of Destruction, <laughs> man. And Lurch is just yeah, getting down, <laughs> dude. Yeah. Oh, Nick Mensa. You Nick. went through the list. He went through the list. Nick. I just was listening to an hour and a half long interview I did with Nick, and it's wonderful. I'm sending it to his publicist, Nancy, this week. I think the way he went out was... Possibly the most rock and roll of all. He was on stage at the Baked Potato, yeah, yeah. which is Steve Lukather's favorite club yeah. to play, and he displayed there three nights yeah. for his fans. He died like Country Dick Montana from the Beat on Farmers. Stage. Dick's head ended up on the snare drum. Oh. Three songs into the set in Vancouver, oh, and Dick was the greatest performer. You know, I when I saw. interviewed Lemmy in two two thousand at KDC.com, he had had an he had had a spell in Italy, and he had to cancel a bunch yeah, of dates. Yeah. And I asked him about it. He goes, "Look." I'm living on borrowed time. If I'm going to go, I might as well go on stage with my bass in my head and boots on my feet. <laughs> That's the way he went. And a cigarette in my mouth. That's the way he went. And a shot of whiskey at the man, top of my yeah. road case. That's the way you got to go. He wow. went on his own terms, man. Debbie Harry, die young, stay pretty, live fast, because it what did, won't last. What did David Lee Roth always say? Live fast and leave a good-looking corpse. That was his. That was his line. <laughs> Okay, this is really getting maudlin now. Well, it's you know this has been a maudlin year, man. Well, maybe we should do a prayer. 
or a meditation? Meditation or a... Wish I had my Marianne Williamson morning prayer queued up. I could find it, but it would take too long. We could do the serenity prayer. You could write a new Righteous Brothers Rock and Roll Heaven song, like update it a little bit and redo it, you know, (laughs) perhaps. This doesn't make any sense, but I watched The Hateful Eight last night. Did you like it? Did you like it? Well, I love Tarantino. Yeah, of course. But this this is a, a an ensemble of mind-blowing proportions. I love the girl with the black eye. She was my favorite character. Dude, she's, <laughs> yeah, she's one of three women in the entire two-and-a-half-hour film. And you... you the, he, <laughs> He punches her in the stagecoach. No. She's got a black eye through the whole black movie. Black eye through the whole movie. It looks like Alice Cooper. You know, yeah. it's got, got the like the black stuff. Under the eye. <laughs> you know, it was awesome. Yeah, it was a great movie. Well, you know, Lon, rock yeah. and roll will come and go, but sex will always say it. That's the one I was waiting for. Was, <laughs> his, was, his Larry, brain, Flint. was Larry Flint? Dude, you do Larry oh, Flint and Kalodner better than Larry Flint and Kalodner. Would you turn off your phone, rock star His Steve? dad, his dad was Oh, calling. it's 99-year-old dad. Let's put him on the air. Yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> Patch him in. Patch him in. There you go. I had, dinner, I had lunch with him at, at the deli. Was yeah. Lenny's. Yeah, I was with him, I was with him uh, the other day, That's, Friday. We had a deli lunch today. We, we did. didn't change. We shot over. We went, what was the name of it? Uh, Factors. Factors over Factors. on Pico. Yeah. Okay. That's yep. the old neighborhood. Nice. Right near Pico. So to every, it, the you walk in the there. Days? You walk in there, and you might as well be at the Carnegie in Midtown Manhattan. There's Which just, is no longer. There's just off the cockers at every hello? table. What? Want to say hello? To your car- dad? Yeah. Well, tell him hi. Tell him we're on the air. Tell him Ask him. Five so, minutes. Put him up to the mic and say, what's it like to be 99? When's he going to be 100? He's going to be 99 February 7th. February 7th, two it's days before day the Beatles. than Jaja. Oh, wow. He's almost a centenarian. He gets a a phone call from, uh, who does he get the phone call from? Who? Who does he get the phone call from when he's 100? It's not the president. Oh, 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 uh, the guy on the Good Morning America? Isn't that Wilford Brimley or something? Oh, no, not Wilford Brimley, the the weather guy. Wait, (laughs) wait, wait. Wilford Brimley. Oh, no, no. He's not here either. Okay, can can you give me the... Fred Willard. No, who's the... Weather Roker. guy. It's a hat for a day for a toupee guy. Roker. Uh, Al Roker. No. No, the other guy with a strange name. You'll yeah. never get old and you'll never die. It, What's he'd that? sometimes wear a toupee and sometimes he What's wouldn't. What's that? Uh, Grandpa, are you leaving? I'm going to a place. Never get <laughs> old and never <laughs> die. Never gonna die. What movie? Uh, Cocoon. Right. Yep. right. Cocoon. <laughs> you'll never die. Did Wilford Brimley and you'll die? Never die. Can't eat it. Yes. Do you know? know, Okay, then I can tell the story. They're all dead. He used to show up on set with a firearm. Really? And you can't do that. I'm on a radio show. He used to show show up on sets. A friend of mine used to work with this guy. We're going to put you on live, and we're going to ask you what it's like. Really? You wouldn't get rid of it. The line that I remember him from Cocoon was, Kenny, make me fart. Put him up to the mic. Okay, Dad, can you hear us? Yeah. Hello. Mr. Cohen, tell us about 99. How's it be to 99? Yeah. I feel well. I'm very observant. I'm very opinionated. <laughs> and, uh, and I'm thankful that I have reached this time of my life. Amazing. <laughs> Does your son give you any problems anymore? Steve? Nothing give me any problems at all. 
Steve is a great kid. <laughs> I'm proud of him. So am I. Do you owe your longevity to pizza? Do I owe my longevity to what? Pizza. <laughs> the pizza? Yes. In fact, for dinner tonight, I had pizza. <laughs> I thought you were closed. <laughs> I, did, I pre-cooked. He I cooked pre-cooked for him. You're a good son. You're beautiful, mate. Okay. I, when you turn 100, you're going to be in-studio guest. Well... I don't look ahead. <laughs> I take one day at a time. He's totally be here now. Wow. Yeah. That's how he does it. And he's got steel shoulders. Man. Ram Das Cohen. Nothing gets him. It's awesome. God bless you, I, Mr. Cohen. I have a I have a sister-in-law back east, my brother's wife. My brother's deceased. She's 104 on Christmas Day. Oh, wow. Rod Serling. Christmas Day. And I spoke to her. She lives on the street where Son of so Sam was busted. In Brooklyn, yeah. We're wishing her a happy birthday. Happy, happy birthday. birthday. 104. That's a long she, run. She's, she outlived Keith Richards by 30 years. <laughs> she calls Keith Richards a kid. Uh, Dad, thank you very much. Bless you, Mr. Cohen. Bye, we Mr. love Cohen. you, Mr. Cohen. Thank you. Zeigesund. <laughs> wow. Dad, wow. I'll call you on my way home, okay? I love you, baby. This is Energize the Lawn Friend Podcast. That was our first neptogenarian, right? Neptogenarian? Yeah. Wow. Sharp as a tack, too. My father, here's a great story. My father, when my mom had her stroke, my mom was 75. They used to go to Cedars-Sinai for stroke classes to orient how to deal with your Medi-Cal and how to deal with your care providers, etc. They loved my father so much that they ask him to come back to speak. So he speaks at a 70s group, an 80s group, and a 90s group. Are you kidding? To tell them how to acclimate, how to understand the paperwork, the medical, the nurses, the whole stuff that you go through when you need rehabilitation and and medicine. You you know, Mike, I could throw Toto's 99 at you, but (laughs) (laughs) 99 problems. (laughs) Or... I could throw Nana's 99 Luft balloons at you. He's drank all the beers on the wall. Well, one after 99. Oh, and that's 909. One after Do you realize nine that? Nine. Every no. one of the beers on the wall, Steve's dad has had. 99. Dude. Blows my mind. Thank you for that. He gives, us all, he gives us all reference. You know, I turned 60. You and I are the six, well, same. We, age, yeah. How many days apart? We're we're 16 in days. A month, ap- yeah. I'm July 13th, and I'm July 29th. We're yeah. 16 days apart, me yeah. and him. Yeah. Right. That's it. And we just got reference. Did it mean? It, My did, dad's 87, Chicago Jew, living in Vegas, still alive, still rocking the piano. Did you anything at 16? Of yeah. course. You did what? I've been in massive depression ever yeah, since. Yeah, but that's years. I'm talking about 60. <laughs> no, I started at 50. <laughs> uh, that's my whole 50. If I, I ever write the third book, the yeah. third memoir, the trilogy, yeah. the end of it, Return yeah. of the Jester, not Return <laughs> of the King. <laughs> if I write Heavy Mental, Return of the Jester, the last memoir, well, it's to going porn. to chronicle how ta- I've spent the whole decade of my 50s alone. Yeah. Okay, I wrote this. My first 20 years, I went to school. My next 20 years, I went to work. My last 20 years, I went away. (laughs) And that's pretty much it. And you guys are helping me find my way back. Find your way back. 
So should wait, Perry, we, should should Perry sing with Doug? Wait, wait, wait. Dr- Paul Kantner. We lost here. Paul Kantner. Paul Kantner died Another one. Yeah. Who, incidentally, you know uh, that I was a member of you the Jefferson Starship one night? Do you realize that? <laughs> no. I went, the Jefferson Starship, a version of them, was playing at the at the uh, Pacific Amphitheater, okay. and Vanilla Fudge had opened up, and okay. Carmine and I know each other, and Carmine asked me if I would come to the show. Before they went on, he asked me to go introduce the band, which I gladly did. Yeah. As I was back on the side of the stage, a friend of mine was back there and said, Jordan, I'm really nervous. I said, why are you nervous? He goes, my friend is singing for the Starship tonight. And she wants me to sing background on a couple of songs, like Volunteers and a few other ones. And I'm scared shitless. I don't know what to do. And I said, well, just kind of handle it. She goes, wait a minute. You're coming with me. And I went, what are you talking about? I was there with my mechanic. Right. Your mechanic. (laughs) My mechanic. And she goes, you guys are going to come out and you're going to be our background singers with us or with me for the Jefferson Starship. And we did. We went out on stage and we sang, you know, we're the volunteers of America. A couple other songs, sang background. And I will never forget standing behind Paul Kantner and having him look at us like either like, who who are you guys and why are you singing in key? He lived across from my friend Peter in North Beach, and Peter yeah. took a picture of him uh, smoke, drinking his uh, his coffee in the yeah. morning. Yeah. Up yeah. until like right before he died, he was having coffee. Because yeah, nice his guy. I talked to him up. afterwards. He's a great guy. You're my mechanic in Vegas. Mm-hmm. His name is Paul, and he's like a philosopher. He said to me once, "I go." He says, "Lon, the truth doesn't set you free; it isolates you because <laughs> everybody else is lying." <laughs> Nobody wants to hear the truth. <laughs> no. No, no, I can tell you all about I that. I call him the Socrates mechanic. He's 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 like Socrates in the way of the peaceful warrior, Nick Nolte. He's that guy. He's really he's nuts. I gotta get me a Sorry. mechanic. I know a good one in Vegas as well. Find which lyric is this? Find me a satanic mechanic. <laughs> the manic mechanic like ZZ Top. But I was doing Rocky Horror. You were. Which is the same era. See? Just goes on. Meatloaf. Yeah, yeah. Meatloaf. Still alive. Absolutely. He had a scare. Yes, he, he got did. sick. He did. A couple. Yeah. And his daughter's one of the most rocking women Pearl I've Rocks. ever heard. And his son-in-law, Scott Ian. Same with Ozzy. And Sharon's a customer now. Sharon, she lives in am I still alive? Yeah. Am I still playing she took him back. arenas and festivals? She took him back. back again? Sharon. Oh, One of the highlights of my life was having Ozzy on my show and, uh, and having an hour with Ozzy and the, the uh, finding out just how sharp he is as He's opposed to what sharp. people think. Dude, I asked him. Uh, He's they fooling were, everybody. They were having, they were having a, uh, somebody had talked about doing a documentary on his life, and I said, which actor would you like to have play you? And without missing a note, he said, Denzel Washington. <laughs> He'd be perfect. And I went, you're absolutely right. But he didn't miss a note. He was so sharp. The equalizer. Absolutely. the equalizer. Exactly. You know? But yeah, he's great. It's I think Anton Fuqua. Have you watched his roadshow with his son, with Jack? The, on well, the- wait a minute. Jack, Jack Sabbath. Yes. Remember the KNAC.com party? Oh, yeah. Where we were drinking yeah, with him? The Carnival at the, One. And he Carnival was 14. One. And he was 14 and he was drinking. <laughs> he was drinking at the Standard oh, with God. me and Scott Ian and Jordan. <laughs> and this and this this guy comes up. He goes, I, aren't you Ozzy's son? He goes, yeah. He goes, how old are you? 
And Scott goes, he's Ozzy's son. Doesn't fucking Doesn't matter. matter. <laughs> he's 100 years old to you. Fuck, 14. Do you remember we, had, we needed oh, a space man. to play? And I said, you guys were trying to brainstorm on who, who can you get to come and fill in the spot? And I said, why don't you call Henry Rollins? And yeah. you called him. Some of you had no, his number. No, Bob, Bob had his manager's Yeah, Bob had his number. manager's number. You called him immediately. He said, yeah, I'll be there. Yeah, he played. Absolutely. And he yeah. showed right up, walked yeah. up to the back door with him yeah. and his girlfriend, walked right up on the stage yeah. and proceeded and to we, slay we, we, the Hollywood Palladium. We even did it at the Palladium where the rip parties were, know, thinking that we could recreate magic. But it, it was fun. Remember Primer 55 asked my uh, Primer 55 played. Yep. And they asked me and my friend if we wanted a beer from the dressing room while they were on stage. And my friend and I decided to drink all their beer. <laughs> so by the time Thank by you. the time Anthrax was on with yeah. the, during the John Bush era, yeah. and the circle pits are all over the place, yeah. my friend and I found ourselves right behind Charlie's drums on his road case, yeah. like Beavis and Butthead, yeah. just like rocking out behind him. We were the sound just of white having noise. the best time ever. Energize the Lawn Friend Podcast. Look, 9-11. Perfect. Ooh, That's a sign-off. We're going to go out with... Uh, 2016. We're gonna go out with George Michael. We're gonna Careless say whispers. we're gonna we're gonna say good. No, I'm not playing Gary Swiss. Last Christmas. Say good night with a prayer because that's what this planet needs. Because we're heading into some choppy waters, man. So keep the light on, right? Nadia, right? Shane, right. Steve, yep. Jordan, Vaughn. Thank you all. God thank bless you. you. Thank 2017. You. Keep the light on and the music spinning. Pizza. Pizza. Gee. Pizza. 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 I want pizza.